Welcome to the Roadmap to Wealth show. The show is hosted by the Invest Tribe community, a total European resource for anyone looking to succeed in all sorts of investing. Real estate, stock market, bonds and ETFs, cryptocurrency, foreclosure, peer-to-peer lending, business and startups. Before we get to today's interview, if you are a new listener, be sure to go to investtribe.org and subscribe because we offer content, tools and an international community of experts, newbies and everyone in between to help people to learn investing, network, find partners, deals and financing and make the best investing decisions possible. Let us start the show. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Wealth podcast. Today we are going to talk with Kevin Bupp. Kevin Bupp is a real estate expert, serial entrepreneur, charitable humanitarian, adventure seeker, and passionate family man. He is the podcast host of Real Estate Investing for Cashflow and the author of The 21 Biggest Mistake Investors Make When Purchasing the First Model Home Park and How to Avoid Them. Welcome, Kevin. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Elena, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. So let's start. How did you start your real estate adventure? Yeah, so I, I'm um, I'm 40 year old, 40 years old. To, uh, not today, but now. And uh, I got started back when I was 19. I uh, got introduced by a gentleman that um, you know uh, w- was a good friend. He he was uh, about 25 years older than I, but uh, he was a local real estate investor, and um, he kind of introduced me to what it was he was doing, and that was uh, investing in single family and smaller multifamily rental properties. Uh, this is up in Pennsylvania where I was born and raised. And at that point in my life, Elena, I um, was going to community college, didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And uh, I saw his lifestyle. I saw what he had done um, there in our local town. And I was very impressed. And, and I felt it was something that I could wrap my arms around. And so he actually invited me to a, to a three-day uh, boot camp down in Philadelphia um, I didn't know anything about real estate. I just I accepted mm-hmm. the invitation and uh, it seemed like a great opportunity to go and learn a little bit more about what it was that he did. And uh, I left that three-day boot camp um, just inspired, overwhelmed, excited. I mean, all kinds of different emotions. And <laughs> what I did when I left there was, uh, you know, I, I, I was excited about the opportunity, but I didn't know really where to start. It was so many things going on. It was so new to me. And so what I offered to David, uh, David was his name, uh, is that I would love to come help him with his business, um, you know, in exchange for hopefully being around from you know being around him more often and uh, and being able to obtain and extract information, you know, you know, high level information about how he ran his business, you know, how he did what he did on a daily basis, and so uh, that's what I did. I essentially went to David. I didn't ask him to mentor me per se. I you know I basically said, hey, how can I come work for you um, for free, not to pay me, uh, and how can I help you grow your business? And I did that for like fourteen months. I worked with David. I in between going to school and uh, and attending bar in the evenings part time, I was at David's office. I was out in the field with him. I was wherever he was. I was around him as much as possible. Typically, anywhere between like thirty and forty hours a week, uh, and that was on top of going to school and also attending bar part time in the evenings. And so I did that for fourteen months. And from that point, I bought my first property. Um, that really snowballed into a second property, a third property, a fourth property. And, you know, long story short, over the years, I've uh, participated in thousands of different transactions. And uh, this is what I've done as a full-time endeavor. Um, so now going on 21 years. So, Yes, it's such an incredible story. Yeah, uh, actually, you have a lot 
I have a big chance because you started so early. Yeah, most of us started uh, in real estate my, uh, um, later. And uh, yes, I think that for now you've already participated in thousand transactions. It's absolutely amazing. So uh, what was the hardest challenge when you started? In real estate, uh, you know the hardest challenge I think was, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I think it was a good and a bad thing. I didn't know what I didn't know, um, and so you know, just really trying to wrap my arms around um, not just the operational side, but the, you know, the money side of it. I mean, I didn't have much money. I, I came from a, a, you know, a very wonderful family, but it very much blue collar. Both my my mom and dad worked full time jobs. They didn't make a ton of money. Um, you know, we had everything we needed, but we didn't have a lot. And so there wasn't a lot of expendable cash to go around. Mm-hmm. I say I had some savings from tending bar, um, but I didn't have a lot of money at my disposal. And that, that was really the first thing, you know, one of the bigger, I guess, bigger initial challenges that, um, that, that I faced. But the good thing about it was, is that I had, I didn't have David to necessarily lean on to like borrow money from or anything like that. He never lent me money. He never personally got involved in my deals. He did act as a high level coach and, uh, help make introductions and, and, um, uh, you know, introductions to like private money lenders. And he let me get in his circle, but he made me do everything. Like he didn't, he didn't put his name out there on the line for me, but he did make the actual initial introduction. So, but I think just really establishing the trust was the hardest first part. And that really goes in line with getting your know, borrowing money. Um, you know, getting people to ha- to have somewhat blind faith in me at that point because I didn't really have a track record at that point in time. You know, so that 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 was a big challenge. I didn't even have credit at that point in my life. I mean, I I literally didn't have a credit card until I was 19 years old. I just never really needed one. So when I met David, he was like, "You you got to establish credit." And I'm like, "Okay, how do I do that?" You know, I, my parents were great parents, but they never really instilled financial literacy in my brother and I. And it's it, it wasn't that they neglected us. It's just that they grew up very blue collar as well. You know, they, they knew how to balance a checkbook where they sure as heck didn't know a lot about financial literacy and, um, and credit, you know, was important to them, but not enough for them to instill those, those beliefs in, into I. And so David became like that mentor and, and helped me build credit and gave me guidance there. And, uh, and it took some time, you know, it really took some time to build that faith and trust and credit so that I could really start doing my own deals. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, you, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Your story and I uh, just admire it. Uh, you're still very passionate about real estate. Why? What makes you feel passionate about, uh, about this business, about your business? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, every day is different than the, uh, the one prior. <laughs> I mean, seriously, every day is very different than the next. And I think that one of the other big factors is um, a bunch of different factors here, but I'll try to pick like the top three maybe you know, there's a, there's so many different ways you can make money in real estate. Right. And so, um, you know, when, when, when one opportunity dries up, um, there's, you know, hundreds or thousands of others that you can, uh, expand into. And so it's not just a one-stop shop of, well, if this stops working, then I'm going to have to go find a new business to be in. There's mm-hmm. just so many different ways you make money in real estate. Another big thing that, that excites me and gets me jacked up every day is, you know, you know, not just the investors that we help. So we, we raise capital and we have many different investors that have worked really hard their entire lives to build up a savings and they've entrusted us with their, their capital to invest it wisely. And so I get the, you know, the, the joys of being able to give them, you know, distribution checks on a quarterly basis. And that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. I'm helping them build, you know, legacy wealth for them and their families. That That's a very exciting thing. Uh, in addition to that, probably the third thing is just knowing that, 
um, the communities that we own, when we go in and we make improvements to these communities, we're providing a clean, safe, and quiet place for our residents to live and to raise their own families. So, you know, there's just many different aspects, uh, you know, emotionally, physically, that we are able to be involved in a daily basis in our business and, and touch so many different lives. So, um, you know, the, again, I could keep going on and on. There's many other things that get me excited about the business, but those are probably the big ones. Yeah, I see it. Uh, yes, absolutely agree with you. Uh, just uh, um, can you share with me what is your favorite real estate strategy, for example, for now? Or when you yeah, started, so, how it's involved? Just Yeah, fair enough. So I've done a little bit of everything. I've owned hundreds of single family homes uh, as rentals. I've owned hundreds of apartment doors. And, and so my transition kind of went as I started with single family because that's what was kind of taught to me. I started buying apartment units uh, and, and miscellaneous, miscellaneous other commercial real estate. Uh, and then 2008 happened. Uh, 2008, you know, basically crushed yeah. my business and, and uh, you know, I had to start over. And it took me a couple of years to even have the, um, I, I guess, the, uh, the mental fortitude to even, you know, start over. And that was like 2011. So in 2011, 2012, I, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up again. I was starting over. And that's why I got introduced to mobile home parks. So when you ask me about the strategy that we have, you know, our strategy is number one, purchasing mobile home parks, but purchasing mobile home parks below today's intrinsic value, finding opportunities that where we can buy below market value and add a significant value by whether it's bringing new homes in, um, lowering the expenses of the overall operation, um, increasing revenues by raising rents or building back utilities. And so uh, our strategy as a whole are buying somewhat underperforming mobile home communities that we can kind of put our special touch on and get them operating in a stabilized manner in a very short period of time. Yes, I see. I'm also interested in this in the strategy recently. You only operate in the United States, yes? That's correct. Mm-hmm. For, for now, I guess. I see. What, what states do you prefer? Yeah, well, t- today we own communities in 13 different states. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so we're, we're as, I guess, far north as Michigan and upstate New York. And then we've got communities here in Florida. So that's a further south. And then we've got things as, as far west as Oklahoma. Um, so we're, you know, 13 states in total today. Um, you know, we're not really restricted by the number of states that we operate in. It just happens that we own communities in 13 states today. And uh, more than likely, that number will keep expanding. There's certain states we stay away from. Um, You know, California uh, politically is just a little challenging, especially with rent control in a majority of the state. So that's a very challenging area. Um, New York has come become very recently very mm-hmm. challenging to operate mobile home parks in just literally in the past couple of months. Some very strict rent control policies got passed uh, that pertain to mobile home communities. And so we own a number of very nice communities up there. Not sure exactly the long-term strategy, but more than likely, we probably will not continue buying in New York. We'll probably continue owning what we have, but we won't actually continue buying any future parks because of uh, you know this the political nature up there. Yes. Um, there's a few other states that are um, you know, uh, are probably very, uh, or will succumb to rent control laws at some point in time. Maryland's probably one of them that will end up going that route. Um, and so we're just, we, we're very careful and conscious about you know, where we want to be, you know, will we be able to operate our communities in an efficient manner and not have uh, too much interference with the, you know, the state government, you know, trying to control how we do things. So, um, that, that's probably the best way for me to answer that question. Yes, I see. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Yes, advantages of United States that you have different laws on different uh, states. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, never uh, imagine investing overseas. 
Have I ever considered investing overseas? Is that what the question was? Yes. You know, I I can't say that I have. I'm not opposed to it. Um, You know, I guess I feel that at this point, there's enough opportunity um, for us here in the United States. And um, it's something that we can much easier uh, in a much more easier manner, wrap our arms around and understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would never be opposed to it. I've just, I've I've never pursued any out of country opportunities, but um, you know, we're always open-minded. So I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, Because my thing is actually uh, is international real estate investment. Actually, if, you in 2008 were invested overseas, you could um, overleave this crisis without much, mm-hmm. much uh, difficulties, you can say like this. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I think some of the bigger challenges that exist with investing out of the country is just the, you know, learning a whole new set of uh, laws and how, how business is done, right? Business That's, is conducted you know, very it's differently. Not, it's not yeah. exactly true. Actually, real estate is more or less the same. It depends on the government. It's, it's uh, left or right. It's a democratic or Republican. You can say well, which it. country are you referring to? Where, where are you based out of, Elena? Uh, I am. I'm inve- I invested in 16 countries already. Wow. Now. Yes. Yes. It's a thing. Uh, just be- because for me, you know, I started with one with France, then I go to Spain, and I go to Germany, then from England. They are. I was always in love in Asia, so I went to Asia, where uh, actually the rental yields are excellent. Fantastic there. Hmm. So you see, and uh, I, I just have this view from the very beginning because living in Europe, it gives me the permission to, um, because uh, European market is very small and close. So you, mm-hmm. we, it's an okay for us. It's normal for us to invest in several countries. You see, sure. from the from the very beginning. And then you have to know the uh, government rules, uh, pro tenant, pro lord, uh, pro landlord laws, um, uh, the future. But it's, it's like stock market. After this, you see, you just mm-hmm. have to, you. There are markets are stable with little growth, and their babies just grow in a crazy way. So yeah, it's just. Um, it can be so, interesting to go overseas, yeah. Do you own mostly uh, individual like uh, rentals or do you have multifamily I, properties? I started, I started with rentals. Like I think everybody, mm-hmm. mostly everybody started sure. with, mm-hmm. with apartments, this kind of thing. And now I'm multifamilies. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, that's great. It offers and you a lot also, of diversity, and also, right? And also in the United States too, in, the, in mm-hmm. Florida. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not also interested in, uh, in in Florida market. So maybe maybe later I'm also interested in uh, mobile park. So yeah, just you, to, know. you know, you know, it's always uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Because you see, uh, you different. It's uh, different challenges, different things, uh, different culture. Because uh, in investing overseas, I also it's not only I'm doing business, but I. Um, uh, also do different lives if you want uh, mm-hmm. it, it not only brings me money but it also brings me I know certain pleasure I, yeah. I oh, that, travel a lot I discover things it's absolutely fantastic it's the life actually I wanted yeah but, no that's great I mean so you've intertwined it into your lifestyle and I think that's the important uh, you know aspect of whatever business you get in whether you decide to get in real estate or some other type of business uh, operation I mean it's got to it's got to be able to be interwoven into, you know, whatever that ideal lifestyle is you want to experience. And if it's, you know, travel, like for you, um, it allows you to, you know, have a reason to travel to multiple different countries, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. intertwine your business with your work and uh, you get pleasure out of both. And that's, that's wonderful. I think that's incredibly important. I think a lot of people get stuck on, 
you know, I want to invest in real estate because that's the best way to make money. And that's not necessarily true at all. I mean, there's plenty of other ways to make money, other types of businesses. And you really have to find what's best aligned with you and your personality and your ultimate, you know, life goals. And it could be real estate. It could be something else. It could be a franchise of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like you found exactly what's best fit for you, which is awesome. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, tell me uh, about a project that you consider to be the most significant in your life. Hmm, that's a great question. You know, outside of uh, outside of um, you know my business, uh, I'm very involved in different charitable endeavors. Um, I'm also involved as a mentor in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. So, you know, just helping others. Again, this is outside of business. This is on a much more of a personal level. And I wouldn't say it's one individual project that's important to me, but I think just giving back and, and sharing our, the knowledge that we've gained over the years and, and helping others, you know, whether young or old. Again, I mentor a young, a young boy. Now he's actually getting old. I think he's, he, well, he's 16 now. I started mentoring when he, was, when he was 11. So I've been with him for five years and I've seen him grow over the years and just turn into basically a young man. That's very, very important to me to be able to give back in that manner. Um, then also we help multiple other charitable endeavors. And I do that many different ways. But one of the biggest ways, one of the big things that excites me is I started a, um, a charity bike ride uh, going on our 10th year now. Uh, it's called 72 Hours to Key West. Basically, it's a, it's a very intensive three-day bicycle ride. It's 280 miles in length. Um, and we basically I, I bring 75 riders from all over the country and we ride for three days, 280 miles through the Everglades and uh, down the Key West. And we raise money for multiple different charities. And the charities change uh, for the most part each and every year. And most of the time, the charities that we give our money to are charities that have touched my heart in one way or another in that respective year. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. Last year, um, the marina where we keep our boat at, uh, there happened to be a worker there. He probably made not much more than minimum wage. Somehow we got talking about his family. He's got a child that's got a very rare bone disease. His his son was only he's like nine years old and he's already broken oh. like over a hundred bones in like the nine years that he's been on this earth. Um, very, I forget the name of the disease, but very devastating to the family. Yeah. The family doesn't make much money. You know, healthcare in the United States sucks. It just does. And so the family really doesn't have a lot of support to give this, you know, their son the different you know, equipment that he needs, you know, specialty beds, specialty wheelchairs, things of that nature. And I just overheard him talking about this to someone else. And I heard that he was renovating his home. They were putting a special wing onto the house uh, for, for their son so that he could get around a little easier. Um, Cause again, he has to use like special canes and walkers and wheelchairs. And the one thing that they were, they were lacking was a specialty bed. And this bed was like a $12,000 bed. It was like a hospital bed that was motorized. And, um, and I, I heard that overheard that. And I thought that it would just be, you know, make the world to this family if we could you know, use this ride coming up in a couple months and, and uh, buy that bed for, for their son. And that's what we did. So, you know, that was, uh, I, I, I felt and I saw the direct impact that it made. And, um, you know, just being able to truly help and lend a hand where I know that it's really, really needed. And there's going to be 100% direct impact to, to that individual is very important to me. So it changes each and every year, changes every day. But I think just helping others and giving back, I think that's really what God put us all on this planet to do, right, is to, is, is to help one another, give that upper hand and just you know, encourage each other to, to do great things. So. Yes, absolutely agree with you. I also participate in a charity in Cambodia. We built, uh, tried, well, we helped to build schools mm-hmm. in Shanti Town in Cambodia too. So it's, it's absolutely rewarding because, yes, uh, when you do something like this, it's maybe the best experience you can have in your life. I absolutely yeah. agree with you. Uh, so, 
if you were to go back to time when you become an entrepreneur when you started your business in real estate would you do something differently yeah no i think i would um you know uh i think i've i like to think that i've made really smart decisions over the years um but but i will say that going back in time um I think I, w- I, sh- I would have gotten in, in uh, started in commercial real estate a lot sooner, started doing bigger projects sooner than I did. And uh, what really happened is I had a great business. We were buying lots of properties, lots of single family properties. It was ve- very successful at a young age. And so I, I don't want to take that away or strip that away from me. However, I would say that ever all of us are, you know, we easily get succumb to getting comfortable and getting complacent with where we're at. And I had a good machine, had a good business, had a good system in place. We we're doing big things, but it was all with single family properties. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that if I would have focused the same amount of energy and gotten out of my comfort zone a little bit sooner and focused it on larger projects, commercial real estate, which is what we're basically in today, I think I could have made not, I could have been not only further along financially, but also impacted many, many more lives along the way. So yeah. that's probably the advice I would give myself going back in time is just get out of that comfort zone get uncomfortable on a more regular basis and, uh, and, and try to do bigger things, things that will have a much larger impact on you know, the, the people that you're serving. In our case, it's our investors and our residents. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question is more technical for the younger persons mm-hmm. who want to start in real estate investment. You know, there are a lot of people who want to start in real estate investment mm-hmm. that they don't have or, or have little capital. How they can start investing in uh, real estate with no some little capital and without no yeah. who can, who can present them to loaners like in your case. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I'll try not to be cliche with my answer here, but I mean, first and foremost, uh, and this, this is, should be just basic common sense, but is actually education, like understanding if, you, if you've made the decision, this is assuming you've made the decision, you want to get involved in real estate investing. I think you have to educate yourself well enough to where you can truly make a decision and be decisive about what exact niche you're going to be focused in, right? You'll pick something, you'll pick a lane and then drive forward. And so once you've picked that lane, learn as much as you can about that aspect. If it's flipping single family homes, if it's investing in vacation rentals, if it's buying mobile home parks, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. Pick that one lane and stick with it and learn as much as you possibly can. Listen to podcasts like your podcast. Listen to podcasts like mine and the you know thousands of others that are out there that's free information. Get on bigger pockets. You know, find people in your local market that do what it is you want to do. Take them to lunch. Get around them. Go to investment club meetings. So education, very first and foremost, is, is, is the first thing. And a lot of it's free, you know, and, and I, I would say don't be afraid to also pay for it. I, I don't know why some people are so adverse to paying for education, but um Get as much as you can free. If you feel like you still don't have enough, maybe if you have to pay for it. But once you've got that baseline education, I think that this is assuming now, even after that point, you got baseline education, but you still don't have money. Okay. At that point That's in time, I would say that what you need to do is you fo- you've got your niche, you've got your focus, is you need to get really good at actually finding deals. And again, if it's mobile home parks, get really good at actually finding and uncovering deals. Because I'll tell you that for the experienced operators, like for us, like we've got more money than we know what to do with as far as from investors wanting to buy deals. It, it, it's when you're a growing company, I can always use more deals. And mm-hmm. so if I've got someone that's going to bring me a deal that understands my business and brings me a great opportunity I didn't find on my own, I promise I can put some money in that individual's yeah. pocket and pay them for their time. And so that's a great way to actually kind of start building a financial foundation for yourself, get really good at finding the deals and then find someone that 
would be, you know, be very happy for you to assign that to them. And, uh, and hopefully you'll walk away with a nice fat finder's fee check and you can do it a couple of times. And then at that point you've got money, you know, and, uh, and it doesn't take a lot of money to actually go down that road. And I think that's a very viable path for a lot of newbies to get started in. No, you speak about wholesaling, yes? I'm sorry? You wholesaling, yeah, wholesaling. But it, does, and it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't have to be single family homes. It doesn't have to be, it, it could be whatever, if you want to get into shopping, owning shopping centers or apartment complexes or mobile home parks, it doesn't matter. Pick that niche and get really good at actually where are those opportunities at? Un- uncover those opportunities so that you can wholesale them to um, you know, an experienced investor and hopefully walk away with a big paycheck. And you know, typically, the bigger deals, the bigger finder's fee you're going to get. Um, we, yeah. we pay six-figure finder's fees very often uh, in our business. Thank you very much for, for this advice. I hope the young investment, uh, they will share with you. Okay. Can you please share a person that had an impact on you as an entrepreneur or somebody who mentored you? You just mentioned this person who, will, yeah. who introduced you to in real estate, but maybe you can also share somebody else, somebody who, who had influence on you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, David was the person I originally mentioned. He, I don't know where I'd be at in, in his life if it wasn't for meeting him. I don't know if I would have found real estate or not because he kind of, you know, pigeonholed me into it and I wasn't really looking for it at that point. So, um, you know, very grateful you know, to have had him in my life and still have him in my life today. Uh, another person that had a significant impact on my life was about two and a half years after getting involved in real estate, I moved to Florida. And uh, shortly after moving to Florida, I met uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Rod Cleef. Um, he's a big fellow podcaster as well. Um, and uh, him and I have been you know, friends now for, gosh, going on, eight, I think, 18 years or so. And uh, Rod uh, was much further along in his business than I and um, had done, you know, he'd been investing for 20 plus years prior to me meeting him, has, has owned you know, thousands of properties. And, and just uh, I, I got to see what a real big operation looked like. And um, that was life-changing for me. And not only did I get to see what it looked like, but I got to get intimately involved with him and his team. And uh, again, we became close friends. We became business partners at some point along that journey. And uh, his friendship and his mentorship has just been life-changing to me. And it, and it actually continues on um, even today. I mean, him and I talk on a regular basis. And uh, I feel like there's always a ton of value that I get, um, even from the shortest of phone calls with Rod. Thank you. What do you think? What skills or habits helped you to become successful in real estate? Yeah, I think consistency is is uh, is a big key of it. You know, um, uh, that along with you know, I'd say you gotta you gotta feel good in order to perform good, right? And so I think everything starts initially with the health and fitness aspect. I mean, just being healthy, feeling good, eating good gives you mental clarity, gives you the stamina needed to, you know, perform in any business, again, whether it's real estate or something else. So I think, again, just making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And then once you're actually in business, if you're doing your thing, consistency is huge. Um, integrity is, uh, is just massive, right? Like doing exactly what you say you're going to do. You know, if you make a promise, keep your promise. Your word is everything. And, um, uh, you know, uh, Another big one is communication, just learning how to effectively communicate. And that goes, that goes so many different ways in business, uh, whether it's working with a, a seller of a property, whether it's working with a buyer of a property, whether it's working with an investor, um, whether it's working with your employees, if you've got a team you know, beneath you, you know, being a great leader and communicating effectively is, uh, I'd say communication is probably one of the most uh, um, important skill sets of running a successful company. Learning how to effectively communicate, it, it's, it just works wonders in so many different areas of your life and your business. So, 
Yeah, absolutely agree with you. So now it's time for fun questions. Uh, so tell me, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? <laughs> I've always wanted to, well, I don't know if it's a superpower or not, but um, being able to fly would be pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not really a super, not a superpower, yeah, it's but a just superpower. You know, a spread, lot of people spread are my like, arms and just, uh, me with this. Yeah. it means that a lot of people prefer to yeah. fly. Me too, actually. Instead yeah. of like in the mid-afternoon, instead of wanting to go for like a mid-afternoon run, you know, maybe just go for mid-afternoon flight, you know, and just spread my arms and go fly around the town for a little while and then come back to work. You know, I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And also there's uh, some people also say that if they, you can fly, you can skip the, uh, the planes that don't use the airports anymore. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and that's my thing because I, I uh, travel a lot. I start to have uh, allergy to the airports, you see. So like, uh, it's like a torture. But yeah, yeah, you still have to do it anyway. But me too. I prefer to know how to fly. Right. Uh, but uh, if you could have a dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Any three people? That's a good question. I was not prepared for this one. Um, I'd say that Tony Robbins would be on top of that list. Um, Warren Buffett would be uh, second on that list. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the third one. Um, that's that's a big one, and I would say that he he he's now deceased. But uh, Zig Ziglar had a major impact on my life uh, at a young age, and uh, he's no longer with us. But uh, if I could. If the, one of my superpowers was bringing him back from the dead, I would do that and I would bring him to that dinner. So, yeah, yeah Tony absolutely. Robbins, uh, Warren Buffett, and Zig Ziglar are probably the top yes. three. And three together, I think. <laughs> Not one, yeah, by that'd, one. Be an inter- that'd be an interesting one. <laughs> yes, it will be very interesting, I think. So. so, if you could back in time and talk to your 18 years old self, what would you tell him? Yeah. You know, one thing that I, I don't think was ever instilled in me that I had to kind of learn the hard way was that failure is okay. Um, that, uh, you know, the important aspect of, of failing is just really focusing on what what is the lesson, you know, what are lessons, uh, you know, th- that you can extract from that bad situation. And, you know, I, it, it took many years and many failures to understand that it was actually a good thing. And that that just means that you're making progress in your business and that the failures will never go away. Uh, I mean, like they're, they're going to be here. In fact, the more you failed, the better, right? That just means that you're a growing business or a growing endeavor and, and you're making, you're making moves, you're making progress. And so I would, I would just tell myself like, don't be afraid of failure. In fact, if anything, you know, seek out failure and, but more importantly, seek out the lessons that exist inside of it. Thank you. Uh, what you are not very good at? What am I not very good at? Hmm. Saying no probably is a big one. Um, I love helping people. I mean, I, I put myself out there in my podcast. I make myself available um, sometimes probably too often, um, you know, to even folks I don't know that I've never met before. And uh, just, just because I, w- I want to get back and I want to, you know, share the knowledge and share the wealth with, with as many people as possible. So I'd say probably saying no is uh, one of my weaknesses. Okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Maybe it's, yes, other people will say this kindness, but it's, if you, you consider kindness as weakness, maybe yes. Okay. Uh, what is uh, your best tip for making the world a better place? Hmm. You already participate in charity. You told me this, but maybe. yeah, I mean, just it just really always always paying it forward. And, um, and, and you know, I actually, no, I'm going to, that's important, but I'd say, 
try to eliminate the, the the judging from your from your personality. You know, judging someone else, even in bad situations. I mean, we're very quick to judge another person, but little do we know of like really what's going on in that person's life. You know, that maybe have sent them into an angry rage or uh, have have you know pushed them to do something out of the norm for them. And so just not judging a book by its cover, not judging somebody by that first interaction that you might have with them and uh, giving them a chance, you know, getting to know them as an individual. And uh, I think that's important. I think we're, all of us are, are so guilty of that, of just first blush, you know, everyone growing up, all of our parents tell us like, don't judge a book by its cover. But I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. You almost have to consciously be aware of that, that I can't, I can't do that. I got to give this person a, an opportunity. I got to give them a chance. And so I think that if we actually, went about our way in our daily lives, not judging, uh, the world would be a much better place. Yes, no judging. A lot more love going around. Yes, it's absolutely true. Uh, I, uh, not judging. It's, it's some, sometimes it's difficult because we people will just like to judge. We adore to, to judge. Okay, just maybe you can tell me a little bit more about, you have seen the, you have Sunrise Capital Investors like on, your, uh, on your wall. What is it about? Yeah, so this this is our company. This is our yeah. our you know our our mobile home park investing business. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's a real estate investment business today. We focus solely on mobile home parks, um, but essentially, we uh, we raise capital from accredited investors uh, across the United States. Actually, some international as well. And uh, and Good we invest. <laughs> value, yeah, and we invest in value add mobile home park opportunities across the country. And uh, um, you know, we're we're not just mobile home park investors. I mean, there could be a day in time where we, we invest in other types of assets. But today, you know, for the last couple of years, it's been solely mobile home park focused. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank, thank you very much. So, and what is coming up on the horizon? What is your next project? Yeah, so we, uh, we very recently, literally in the last couple of weeks, have made the decision to um, bring our property management back in-house in our company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for the last uh, year and a half, we kind of tested outsourcing it to a third-party property management company. And uh, we've decided that it's in our best interest and out of the best interest of our investors to bring things back in-house and build a internal property management company. So we've been working on that for the last couple of months. And um, October 1st is our deadline as far as a rollout and bringing everything we have back in, you know, underneath our, our roof here. So that's a, that's a big project we're working on. And then uh, shortly thereafter that, uh, we do intend to roll out our third uh, mobile home park investment fund, uh, again, where we raise capital from accredited investors. So we plan to do that hopefully our first quarter of 2020. And by that point in time, uh, our property management company should be up and running efficiently and uh, um, we'll have all the operations here vertically integrated in-house. Yeah, uh, me too. I actually prefer to in, uh, create, um, engage property manager internally and not outsource it. Uh, why do you think it's better? We just personally haven't had the greatest experience with it. And our, our niche is a little different. Um, there's not many third-party property management companies in our, in our industry and in mobile home park space. Yeah, and so okay. there's not a, lot, not a lot of options. And um, we've tested the, you know, what are known as the best in class. And we've, um, I don't want to say we've been left with a bad taste in our mouth, but we just, we haven't seen the performance that we had hoped for, not even near mm-hmm. the performance we had hoped for. And so it's a, it's a necessity. It's not even a, you know, why, why do we want to do it? It's, it's, we feel that it, it's a yeah. need like we have to it's do it mm-hmm. um, because our, our properties aren't performing near their, their peak. And uh, we know that we can get them there personally. And so it's just, uh, it's a decision that's been made and uh, we're running with it and we're actually real excited about it. So. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I say. I hope it will be uh, absolutely fantastic yeah. and uh, absolutely agree with you. For yes, for me, I also started. Yeah, not in the big, but from the very beginning, I had bad experience. You know, when you invest uh, overseas, you have to hire personal management then mm-hmm. for the very tiny property. So I had uh, very early on my stage uh, experience with property management at outsourcing. Yes, it's sometimes it can be tricky. So now I prefer to hire persons like. So I, mm-hmm. I have them internally. So but share the best advice you can give to the listeners. So th- this is going to make the assumption that a lot of your listeners maybe are just getting started. And I kind of already, you know, I don't want to be redundant. And, uh, but I'm going to somewhat say a very similar thing that what I've already mentioned here, you know, probably in the last half an hour, is that it's very important to, to, to gain focus, you know, to get clarity and focus. I mean, if you've made the decision that you're going to start real estate, you're going to start investing, really spend the energy, get focused on exactly what that means to you. You know, uh, you know what, what asset type or what type of investing you're going to do that's going to be best aligned with, you know, not just your initial goal of maybe making money, but the longer term goals of, you know, if it's, you know, Lane, you like traveling, right? Is the type of real estate you're about to start buying, is it going to allow you and give you the flexibility to travel? If you want to be a fixer and flipper, then, then probably not. You know, no, you're going to have to do have a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit more management intensive business. And uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And I know a lot of folks have very large fix and flip businesses and they travel. They've got a whole team in place, but there's a lot more moving parts there. A little bit harder to get it to the point to where you have the flexibility to get up and go for weeks or months at a time. And so just really, really be mindful of, of whatever it is you're going to invest in that it's going to you know, directly align with your long-term goals, you know, personally and professionally. So, um, you know, that's it. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then once you figure that out, actually go do it then, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's simple, simply put, just take, take some action. And we already talked about the education side and there's no excuse if you don't have money, you know, you can figure it out. Uh, there's plenty of other people out there that started from nothing that have built into something if you don't know how to do it, then go talk to them. There's, there's no shortage of people that have built, built a big business from next to nothing. And uh, so just really have no excuse. Get rid of the excuses. We've all heard them before. We don't want to hear anymore. Just yeah, uh, make it happen. Absolutely. Okay. So what is the best way to reach you? Uh, either one of my two websites. Uh, my personal website is kevinbuff.com. And that's also where I host my my commercial real estate investing podcast called Real Estate Investing for Cash Flow. So you can actually go to kevinbuff.com and Listen, but listen to the episodes, but also you can contact me through there. And then our company website, which you had made a mention of, is Sunrise Capital Investors, which you can see the banner behind me. Um, you can go to that website as well and, um, and make contact with me through that, that, that venue as well. So either way, I'm not too hard to track down. Like I said, I, that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is actually saying no. So typically, if you reach out to me, you're gonna, you'll be able to reach out and, and actually touch me uh, through one of those two websites. Thank you very much, Kevin, for your time. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and see you next yeah. time. Thank you, Lane. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, we hope you find this episode of the Roadmap to Wealth useful and you can find the show notes at elenamorel.com. If you're a new listener, make sure you subscribe to Roadmap to Wealth show and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes over at investtribe.org. See you next week on the Roadmap to Wealth Show.